Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. It's so exciting to be here on this Tuesday morning of Olympic weeks. Uh, My mom and I have been up most of the nights uh, watching the Olympics, and it's really about mindset. It's really about focus. It's about seeing your vision, about clearing any blocks to getting that gold medal, silver medal, or bronze medal, being the best you can possibly be as an athlete when it comes to the Olympics. And my guest today, we are so excited to have her on. I am so excited to have her on. I know Sean's, my producer, is really going to enjoy this one too. Um, Talks about how you can get rid of your blocks to financial success. And she has a really interesting way of looking at things. And we're going to be talking about, do you need to forgive money in order to achieve financial success? My guest today is Lisa Peterson. She has been in this business for over 20 years in personal finance, is a self-made millionaire. She's been studying mindfulness, meditation, energy clearing, all sorts of things. But she is truly a master at helping people clear their financial blocks. So welcome, Lisa Peterson, to the show. Thank you, Laura. I'm so very happy to be here. It's so great to have you here, Lisa. I'm, I'm really excited because I have so many questions about what is blocking people from financial abundance and what they can do to clear through that. So I want to jump right in because an hour is never enough time, especially with commercial breaks and news breaks. So what what does it mean to forgive money? Great question. <laughs> I ask myself this a lot. It's really, first and foremost, realizing that we actually have a relationship with money to forgive. So having awareness that I laugh about this, but in all these years, I've realized that it's like money is almost another person in your family. And when we don't think of it that way, we tend to avoid it, ignore it, hope it goes away. And when I say it, it's like any of the problems that we have with money, when things are great with money, then, you know, you don't really need to focus on that. What we're talking about here is, is the problems, the difficulties, the struggles that come up in our life with money. And so when I say forgive it, it's actually about forgiving ourselves in a very deep way. But there, there's so many ways that money shows up. And so it's very contextual in being able to look and ask questions to yourself about what's going on with money in your life. And that that kind of that inquiry, which is so great that you deal with it in your show, that inquiry leads you to understanding what is it that I'm ready to forgive? Does that make sense? It it does, which leads to like 30 other questions. Question: <laughs> You know, you were talking about money being the other member of your family. I I know that when I was married in my my most recent marriage, that was an issue, and it was a conversation that was not easy to talk about. And anytime I would raise it, there would be this anger and frustration, and it just seemed easier not to have that conversation. And I think what you're saying is it's important to have that conversation, whether it's with other people or internally in yourself, in order to break through it. Is that what you're saying? 
It is. And even as you speak, I'm thinking about something that could be very helpful for listeners, and that is in our struggles with other people around money, which are super common. I've been, you know, together with my my husband for 28 years. I mean, a long time, and, and I can't even begin to imagine how many times money has been a challenge. But imagine if instead of getting stuck in like my version of the world and your version of the world and how different they are. Imagine if we almost looked at money as being another part of the relationship, that it was almost like another person and that all the things that come up, we can direct it. It it makes it almost a little less personal for a little while. So we can explore what's going on with this third person rather than it just being about us because money brings up all this guilt and shame and regret and all these things that we don't like to feel. Imagine if we could almost move it to another person for a minute, <laughs> like a, a made up person and look at it more objectively. And I think that that can help people a lot. Does that, does that resonate with you? It it does because, you know, I got divorced a couple of years ago and I, I know that, that was a key piece of what was going on is that whole conversation around that. And after when I was getting divorced, one friend of mine who's a, a relationship person, counselor and stuff, she actually said, well, you probably made him feel like less of a man. And I'm like, okay, that's his responsibility, not mine, which started me thinking about all these things that you were talking about. What if you could just separate it? What if you could actually have those conversations without all those blocks and about all those perspectives that we all have around things? And that's what I love about the work you're doing. So, so let's, let's talk about this. You say um, from conversations we had in your website and all the things, the workshops that you're doing, that the lack of financial success is often a result of a wealth block, not just that you need to forgive money, but these things that you were talking about, right? This, it, it's the elephant in the room. Right. It, it so much is. And these blocks, oftentimes, they're, first of all, you know, research has been conducted around our relationship with money. And the way that the scientists have figured it out is that our relationship with money is formed by the age of seven. And so, a lot of this stuff goes way deeper than we're consciously aware of it, it, you know, having an effect on us. Because in those years of zero to seven, when we were forming ideas about money and how it works, we weren't consciously understanding that we were taking things in and storing them away and making very firm decisions and beliefs that may or may not be serving us. A lot of it is also tied into emotional experiences with money. So, The easiest way I can describe that is when we experience trauma about something, we tend to, especially as children, not be able to deal with that trauma at the time. And it gets stored as a memory, a very painful memory inside of us that we aren't able to process because we just don't have the tools at five or three or four. And they sit there until later in life. A lot of times the work that I do is actually going in and looking at those at those kind of blocks that got formed. Um, An example would be if I don't do what, you know, this is perfect, right? The carrot and stick. If I don't do what my parents want me to do, then I can't get the things that I want in life. So I have to be a people pleaser 
in order to get the things that I want. And that starts to form something that we don't even realize was formed so early in life, but it keeps playing out in our relationships with money or with the ways that we earn money. So it's, it's that classic situation where I need to work harder, I need to work harder, I need to work harder. And meanwhile, the money's not really showing up because we're just trying to uh, fill a hole from an emotional issue that was coming from when we were really young. And so these blocks get stored away. And until we're ready to look at them and kind of, I look at it like, be totally tired of dealing with life in a certain way. We're seeing a pattern repeat itself over and over and over again, which we can talk a little more about. I've been there. <laughs> we get, yeah, we get set up and then we're like, okay, help me. You know, and, then, and I think a lot of times that's how people find me or other people that do the work that I do to say, I can't, I can't deal with this pattern anymore. It's stupid. Nobody else has this pattern. It just seems to be me. And by the way, that's not true. It just feels that way. So does that help? It, it really does. I mean, I, I love the concept that you proposed to us about making money another physical person in the room, treating it like a person and asking how you feel about this person and what does that person mean to you and, and all those other pieces and that we are, we developed our beliefs about that because of something that happened before the age of seven. That's really cool to apply that to money. Most of the time we apply that to other kinds of conversations, like emotional or career, but not, not about money. Making money a real person, a thing, that's, that's different. How did you ever get to develop that idea, Lisa? I, did a, I, I was participating in a workshop with a coach that I was working on it with, and she wasn't a money coach, but she brought up this idea of having a conversation with other with another person, but instead of it being that person, act like it was money. And the minute we did it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I've been trying to get to. But it, it was so simple, as opposed to some of the things I was coming up with, which were more complicated. <laughs> and the minute those relationships happen, and because I'm an intuitive and I can really dive in, to the energy when people are even saying the story. So you may hear someone answer that question one way. I might hear it very differently because I'm hearing the emotional inflection of what's happening in, um, you know, someone talking to money. <laughs> but it's a really fast way to know, oh, here we go. Here's where, here's where it's not working in your relationship. So, so the conversation, um, I always tell people, if you're going to do it with someone who you love, you know, know and trust, also make sure that they're not going to be judgmental because it's such an intimate relationship that we have with money that you do not want to be revealing things about how you feel about money and feel in any way like you're going to be judged. So that's actually super important too. If you ask those questions and you decide to do it with another person rather than yourself because you know you're going to do it, you know, the accountability, then um, be, be careful because money is not a place we like to be judged. It, it tends to cause us to freeze up. Reasonably I, so. I could not have had that conversation with my ex-husband without a third party in the room. Mm -hmm. I, I just, like, even the thought of it now, Lisa, has, <laughs> like, the middle of my chest just got so tight at the thought of how that conversation would have gone. So that means I really need to have this conversation with myself is what I'm hearing. Yeah, or someone completely neutral. Yeah. Or very neutral, you know. Hopefully in life we have one or two people at least that we know no matter what we say, they're not going to judge us. 
and they're the ones who we can engage in in this conversation with. And they don't even need to say anything. They just need to listen sometimes to us. I, I do like interacting with other people in these conversations. Um, journaling is also super helpful. You may journal it, and then once you've kind of felt it, then and you've experienced it, and you've kind of noticed some things, then maybe you take it the second stage to sharing it with someone. Okay. Who's really Perfect. So we're going to we're going to go into our first commercial break and everybody I want you to think about how do you feel about money? We'll be right back. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. So Lisa, you've got me thinking about my own personal relationship with money, which I thought I was good with. But as you were talking, all these feelings in my body started coming up, not only from my ex-husband and and our relationship while we were married, but even from childhood and, and memories that surfaced from when I was about six years old. That that's kind of cool to me. That I thought I was clear on it and I wasn't. So so why is it so helpful to do the exercise and get really clear and perhaps remove the fear out of our relationships with money? So there's a lot of ways I can answer that question, but I'm feeling like a little story about my own journey would be really helpful because it just goes to the root of what you're talking about in your own experience. Would that be okay if I shared that? I love stories. So... This journey that I'm on with money really began when I got a check for $1.3 million. And I'm sure you're thinking that would be amazing, right? Because to receive that kind of money, I didn't have any strings attached. It was mine. Everyone wants that kind of magical windfall because we're thinking life's going to be so much better, right? But I got this check. My husband and I got this check after we had been flipping homes for several years and What happened within a very short amount of time of receiving that money is we realized that nothing had really changed inside either of us, not in the way that we thought money would change us. And instead of having this incredible relief and satisfaction, it turns out that we were just as worried about money as we had always been, and even more so now because now we had a lot more to lose. And it was a super big eye-opener for me. And when you know, the money came in, we ended up becoming super stressed about losing it. And the stress was so big that it brought about many crazy things in our life. And, you know, when I think about what you're sharing, we have no idea how big money affects our overall life until we go through a traumatic event, right? So with your divorce and with your struggles with money, you know what I'm talking about. Is that right? I I do completely. And I thought I had cleared a significant part of it, but you made me realize there's still something there. Yeah. And and so here this money comes in. And after a year, of, about a year after we received the money, we got a call from our banker that $350,000 of that money was frozen due, due to the market being frozen, that the security, we bought some securities, and they literally thought we weren't going to get the money back. And then it wasn't just that. There were literally like back-to-back events. My husband got injured and he was building a house we were working on and he couldn't work. And then my mom was sick with cancer and we were helping her. And then I was in the mortgage business and the mortgage industry was blowing up and I was not going to have any income coming in. It was just one thing after another, after another. It was just intense resistance. 
And I look back at this time in our lives and that we were literally, it was the worst time of our lives, yet we had all this money in the bank. And, and it was kind of like we were creating this tornado because we were so stressed about not losing the money. It was like being in the eye of the storm allowed me to see that there was something greater going on. And looking back, I, I realized that we were actually living with this incredible scarcity mindset at that time, even though we had plenty of money. And later on, I you know, started really understanding that there was something else going on. Obviously, I had the money, but I wasn't relieved. And it actually led me to starting this company. But when I started this company um, and started helping people, I was teaching a class. And in the middle of the class, it was so weird because the classes I do write are very transformative. They allow you to do exactly what you're feeling today, explore feelings that you have been in denial about and don't really want to explore. So I create a safe environment for people to do that. And we were all kind of going through our own transformation on our breakdown. And someone sent me an article around abundance and living abundantly. And I kid you not, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, where I'm reading it, and within two or three minutes of reading it, I just, it was like this deep emotional release occurred where the next thing you know, I'm in a ball on the floor sobbing because I was, it was like I was letting go of all of this pain, all of this struggle. And really what I look back and see is this, I was letting go of living in lack and, and, and just, it was coming out of me. Um, and it, what ended up happening is it allowed me to kind of break down, to break through, to see that I had been living in scarcity my whole entire life, like this lack and scarcity and never being enough and never having enough. And it was a huge turning point for me to see that I had been hurting myself with money for as long as I could remember. I never gave myself a break. I always kind of used money as sort of a sabotage. And, and the way I see it is sometimes people use money as a sabotage, self-sabotage. Sometimes we use food. Sometimes we use relationships. Do you know what I mean, Laura? I, I do. And, you know, I've been sitting here letting letting you talk and not interrupting because there's so many thoughts going through my mind and my body. And yes, I've had those you read something or somebody says to you, I've had them on the air where I don't have the ability to crawl, call on the floor and start crying okay. because, you know, the epiphany and, and the release, I have to just kind of hold myself together on the air, although sometimes I've lost it. Um, this is not an uncommon thing. And I, I really hope my listeners get this, that you're not alone in having mm-hmm. these feelings of lack and scarcity. The The best thing to do is as you've said, begin to address them, have the conversation, be willing to to look at them and, and write them out and speak them out loud. And really knowing that you have no idea when you're about to turn the corner on shifting your experiences with money. But if you don't pay attention to it and you don't look at it, right? Me, I had to start a company to really look at this stuff but it did come and it continues to come because I had to reach a point where I would forgive. I kind of forgave money in that moment and at the same time forgave myself. I also learned that there's one way to live, which is creating from a place of fear, which is how I had been building my business in the past. And it's very different to create a business from a place of love. And I couldn't do it when I was stuck in fear. I had to be operating from a place of love. 
Okay, I need you to go back and explain that concept a little more because that feels really important here to me. Creating from a place of fear versus a place of love. For some people, they don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about how you know if you're creating from a space of fear? Whenever you notice things like feeling bad about something. So let's say with money, a lot of people feel bad about it. We talked about this guilt, shame, um, regret, uh, worry. Whenever those are the predominant things that are going on in your relationship, like you have to be motivated. You, you feel like your motivation to get up and go to work is because I need that money or I'm not going to be able to take care of my life right? That is a place of fear. I mean, a very basic one that we all know the feeling of. What the transition is, is this, well, first of all, does that make sense? It, it does. Keep going. And we so have two minutes. And the transition, the alternative is being able to know that it's not that the fear is completely gone. I want to be really clear about that. If we have triggers and we have things that bother us, there's, they're probably going to be something that we, that catch our attention whenever they come up. But the issue is, is that they no longer hold us hostage and keep us from pursuing the things that we most want to do. A very simple example would be, let's say we're in one profession. We make a lot of money. This is my story. I was a financial advisor. I could make a lot of money in my profession, but it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. It didn't allow me to do use my gifts in the best way possible on the planet. And I knew that, but I couldn't leave it. So that was a place of fear. I ended up jumping ship and going to start my business, still from a place of fear, just to be clear. But but I, I had a seed of love where it was like, I know that this, this work is important and meaningful, and I really want to do it. And I'm willing to take that risk. So it was a turning towards the light, right? Turning towards the love of myself and appreciating myself. And that motivating my my big action next. And each of us, it's going to be different. But does that is that a little hint of what's going on? It it does. And uh, your phrasing of jumping the ship when you left one career to another um, creates a lot of visuals. I, from what I've known of you, it seems more like you just walked off the gangway of the ship onto the dock <laughs> and said, "Which the next boat that I want to get onto." Um, and, and you walked into even more abundance with that. And we're going to go into the news break right now, and I'd love all my listeners out there to think about what you think about money and where do you feel that in your body when you say the word money to yourself. We'll be right back after the news break. Welcome back, everyone. If you're listening to me live on the radio, um, I hope you got some great stuff from the news break that we were just in. If you're listening on the podcast, um, I hope during the you paused and you started really thinking about how you feel about money. We are here with Lisa Peterson, founder of the wealth clinic uh, websites, wealthclinic.com and um, a coach for entrepreneurs. You know, she says she's a life coach, but she's really more than that. It's all about wealth coaching and removing blocks. And Lisa, before the break, we were talking about exactly how somebody starts to release their blocks around wealth, around abundance. And in my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? I quote John David Mann, who I just love, one of the authors of The Go-Giver and many, many other books with Bob Berg. 
And he talks about if you say, I need something, you're actually in a lack mindset. Because if you need something, it means you don't have it. What are what do you think about that? I think about that. You don't have it. I think that it ties into what we were talking about earlier, which is resistance. Uh, if we if we want something and we don't have it, we have to be very gentle with ourselves because you know if you if you know anything about the law of attraction, like attracts like. So that works to our benefit. It also works to our detriment. And in the case of detriment, if we are you know, just like I was sharing, if I'm stuck in lack and scarcity, the money may come, but I'm still feeling lack and scarcity. So I'm attracting lack and scarcity. I'm attracting these problems that came when the money came, right? Problem after problem after problem. So I think you have to be, I I would agree that you have to be careful about focusing too much on what you don't have and not enough on what you want. I had a a guest on my show a few weeks ago, Linda Ryan, and she was talking about the law of attraction and mindset and how you have to begin to shift it. So listeners, if you have not listened to that show with Linda Ryan, I highly recommend it. It works really nicely in with the the conversations that Lisa and I are talking about today. Lisa, I have to introduce you to Linda. You'd really like her. So go ahead. um, Take us to the next level of that conversation about mindset and that focus. So one of the things I thought would be super fun and give people a good insight into how do I do this work on my own or how do I look at, you know, maybe finding somebody like myself to help them. And that was if if you were willing to answer some questions with me and we can show listeners how this process works. Would that be okay? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll bear my, my soul on my (laughs) feelings about money. Okay. I've already talked about it. So go ahead. Ask me some questions for once. Perfect. So what comes to mind when I ask you, how do you feel about money? And it may even be just words that come to mind and it can be a stream of consciousness. Would you share that with us? Okay. So I go to two different places depending on whether I am in my brain thinking about it or in my body thinking about it. So in my brain, I'm going money is a tool that helps you achieve everything. In my body, when I say that, I go, I don't have enough. I need to get more. I can't do what I'm doing. Um, Why is everything I'm doing not getting me to the numbers that I feel I need? Oh, my God, how much do I really think I need? I mean, these are just some of the stream of consciousness stuff that's coming up. And my brain's going, well, you're fine. You're doing great. You've got everything you need. And my body's going, no, I don't. No, I don't. I, 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 I'm in fear all the time. My bank balance isn't big enough. What if, what if, what if um, we get another hurricane and I have to rebuild the house? That kind of stuff. So the first thing that comes to mind in hearing you speak is, is can you notice that tug of war between your brain and your heart, how you probably hold a lot of this in your body. Yes, absolutely. I I felt literally a tug of war happening. Yeah. And so the stress maybe in the neck and shoulders, but the just noticing that feeling of what that tug of war is like in and how you hold that in your body is really helpful. It made it hard to it made it hard to breathe. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I, I literally felt my diaphragm contracting, my shoulders, if, if I had video on in here, which I, I don't right now, my shoulders started turning in. I started shrinking in the chair. And mm-hmm. literally, I could feel anxiety starting at that as that tug of war got stronger and stronger as I was doing telling you what I was thinking and feeling. So have you noticed that your way up till now has been to avoid it because you don't want to feel those feelings that are coming up? Yeah, and that's not how I used to be. I never avoided that conversation. It was the other person in the room. But something changed, and now it's not. The question that comes up is, is what are you not wanting to feel here? With, with like, all of these things, the body, the brain being different than the heart, they're all showing you something that you don't actually want to feel. Does something come to mind when I ask you that question? Yeah, now you're going to make me cry. I'm glad there's tissues here. Um, so, so what came to mind for me was my dad. And I wanted him to be so proud of me that I could manage money and handle money and take care of the family because I care for mom now. And I felt like a really little girl who needed her daddy and she wasn't there. Mm. So obviously beyond even the scope of this conversation, I want you to just notice even now that that little girl is with you all the time. She's not gone away. She's with you. She's kind of going down this journey with you. And she's actually trapped in time. She hasn't been able to process the things that she wants to process and make peace with. Does that make sense? It it does. Because I really felt that little girl being so in fear of not having enough And it's not like I had a childhood that we didn't have everything we needed, but something got stuck in my childhood and something got re I'm thinking something got re triggered as an adult. And the cool thing is, is one of the things that you can actually do, and we all have this capability is you can actually bring her to mind. Like even right now, if you make some, decisions about maybe what age she is and kind of some things that were going on in your life, just a way to bring your back later on when you're ready, you can go in and have a conversation with her. It's really fun to do this. This is a part of ourselves that we are cut off from. And because there's a lot of pain, we haven't looked at it. But what's so amazing, Laura, is when you have a conversation with her, you'll realize that, yes, there may be tears, there may be emotion that you really want to express because you're expressing it for her now as an adult because you can process through it now. But but you'll also realize that there was nothing to be afraid of and that this integration of the small you with the adult you has been wanting to happen for a really long time. As you were just talking about that, that last part, Lisa, my body started relaxing because you said, you know, connecting in and having a conversation with that little girl that I just surfaced as you asked me those questions, which is why, listen, this is why everybody is listening. This is why I believe questions are so important in, in this world and why I have this show is because when 
the people I invite on this show ask questions, they're asking it from a place of their perspectives and their learning. And it is, it unlocks stuff in me each time. So Lisa, when you were talking, I felt that little girl and all of a sudden just acknowledging that my body started to relax. Mm. I want you to also notice that there's something in the little girl that you, she was wanting to have feelings back then that there was no outlet for. And when you connect into her, you're actually forgiving her. You're giving her the space to be who she was and had the feelings that she had, regardless of whether they made sense or not. You're allowing her to be her. And it's actually a form of love and forgiveness and really acceptance, which is where forgiveness is is moving towards. Does that make sense? It, it does. It's sort of your whole conversation about forgiving money. It's taking that and making it as a real person. So this feeling I have inside is real and it's a real feeling. So have a conversation with that as if they're real because they are. There's nothing are. bad about that feeling. There's, excuse me, nothing good about that feeling. It's a feeling and it's real. And even in this conversation, we're both, you know, discovering things and hopefully listeners are discovering things about themselves at the same time because, you know, I started out saying that forgiving money is really forgiving ourselves. And and by putting money separate for a little while, we're able to look objectively at it, not with so much emotion. And then it brings us back to wherever we want to go, wherever we're ready to go to forgive ourselves, which is, again, just this loving acceptance of parts of ourselves that we may not be in regular communication with. All right, we're about to go into our last commercial break, and I cannot once again believe how fast this show goes. Pose a question for my listeners to be thinking about as we go into the commercial break. Are you holding a grudge against money? Oh, I like that. Are you holding a grudge against money? Tweet out to at the Laura Stewart and also tag Lisa and your Twitter handle is? At L-E-I-S-L-O-O-S-K-I. Ooh, say that one more time. Say that one more time. L-E-I-S-L-O-O-S-K-I. Long story. (laughs) I like that. That's going to be for another show. We're going to have to find out where there was. We'll be right back with more from Lisa Peterson. Lisa, you got me thinking. And uh, during the break, I realized I need to forgive myself for some money choices I made during um, this last marriage and some other things. And I can see the power of that. So how can somebody begin to forgive themselves? Because it's easy to say you have to forgive yourself, but how does it become from the brain into the body? So much of what I do is around being extremely gentle with ourselves because that's actually, you know, the ultimate self-love. And so I think that, first of all, identifying the patterns of what's not working in your relationship with money is a great way to start. We've given some practical steps that you can take, whether it be journaling or speaking with a friend and asking yourself some questions. But beyond that, I think that there's, you know, there's also lots and lots of books out there around, you know, the relationship that we have with money. Um, 
So, so exploring this topic in more depth is very worthwhile. And we, we go at our own pace. We take on what we're ready to take on. Some of us, I think, as entrepreneurs, we realize that our success is so dependent on this stuff that we're talking about here. Like we get to a certain level and we get stuck and we don't know how to get out of it. And it's not just about taking practical steps because there's something more at, at work. Do you know what I mean, Laura? I do. I, I do know. Yeah. And so one of the ways that I love helping people is in a retreat format. So I recently moved to Sedona, Arizona, because it's the retreat capital of the world. People come from all over. And I knew that the energy here would be very, very conducive for the work that I do. And I knew that people are intrigued by Sedona and these vortexes and all these crystal therapy and all these fun things that I, happen here. I did a vision. I did a vision quest in Sedona. So I There I get you it. go. You know. And, and probably a lot of people have been here and a lot of people have not been here. And they may not even know the gorgeous, majestic views that are, you know, everywhere you look here and so what I've done is I'm I'm creating these authentic abundance retreats where it's you know two and a half days we come together and we dive into this experience but but what's so cool about it is this work is hard to do on our own right you already said it it's not easy to look under the covers to see what comes up but when other people are with us and we're seeing them and experiencing that uh, sacred circle together with a group of like-minded people, we can dive into this stuff and start to have the breakthroughs and learn the tools that, it, that we need to be armed with as we go out into the world. And so my focus has been to create virtual workshops that allow people to do this, you know, ideally speaking, the retreat experience is pretty amazing. I did one in Hawaii last year. I've got one coming up in early October here in Sedona. But I just love being with people. I love helping people through the experience. But I also know that it's, I am not alone in this work. It takes a village. And knowing that you're not alone and that your stories are very similar to other people's is very powerful because it creates bonds. Like I have people who come to retreat to, who don't want to leave because they're like, I feel more connected to the people in this room than I've ever felt connected to anyone in my life because the money just brings everything to the surface. So that's a kind of a way of, of um, helping people. But I also, again, I, I have a website, wealthclinic.com, and I have put so many free resources. Like I have lots of meditations on the website. I love using mindfulness to dive in. One of them is about your money backstory. You can do a meditation where you're sitting in the kitchen of your childhood home and noticing what comes up in the relationship with money, some of the imprinting that you were receiving. It guides you through that. So you can start to discover what is going on um, you know, those are the things that I found have been very, very helpful for people who are starting this work. There's also forgiveness meditations on the website, too. I love that. So that's wealthclinic.com? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I know you've got the retreat coming up, and there's lots of information about the Abundance re Retreat on your site. If somebody wants to reach out to you directly, what is the best way? Through the website or email address? What's the best way to reach you? 
Yeah, email is great. I, I love communicating with people via email. And then if you are someone who wants to actually hop on the phone, I'm happy to do that. I offer free discussions where we get to kind of what is that thing so that you know. <laughs> and if that's all you need, then great. If you want to explore it further, I'm happy to assist you. But my email is lpeterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N, at wealthclinic.com. And as you guys all heard uh, in just a few moments and a couple of questions, Lisa was able to guide me in to connect to um, a block that I had that I wasn't even aware. I kind of, it was in the back of my mind that there was something going on, but I didn't want to actually spend the time to sit down and think about it. And thank you for, um, for helping me with that, Lisa. And we'll be talking more as well beyond this show since we only have like an hour, which is about 44 minutes. So a last thought that, you know, you want to leave the listeners with around forgiving money about their, that their lack of financial success might be a result of a wealth black. Share with us. What's the last thought? So what's coming up is, is that this work isn't just like a quick fix. And that I think it's better to approach it as just part of the journey that we're all on together, that by learning more about this particular area of your life, you will unlock so many beautiful things that you aren't even noticing are around you and waiting to be tapped into. And so the creativity that comes from this work the love, the self-love, the love for others, the making amends with other people in your life because you thought it was about the money, but you realize it's actually something that can be resolved just through the practice of forgiveness. So it's not a quick fix. It can be done. Don't be afraid. Know that this is just such fun work, even if it seems a little scary at the, at the onset. It's hard to think of it as fun when what comes up is you can't breathe when you start thinking about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, Laura, you and I are so similar in that we've come to see that self-understanding and self-awareness is, is even if it isn't fun at the onset, it is the most rewarding work we've probably ever done in our whole entire life. Would you agree? Oh, totally. When I work with my clients, a hundred day mentoring clients, when you get them past that block that they didn't even real, realize was there, but you knew was there as, as their coach, as, as the person working with them. And then they get to the other side and their entire being changes. Like all of a sudden you see that shining light be bigger than it was before. It wasn't being held back. So yeah, that other side is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see it all the time working with clients and, and that's why I have my own coaches that I work with on, on different aspects because you can't do it alone because you can't see your own perspective. That's why I created this show. That's why I wrote the book I wrote was to help people. And, and I love the work that you're doing, Lisa, because you come at it from a place of beauty. You come at it from a place of no judgment, and yeah. you, sh you share your, your soul while you're doing the work. So I just want to acknowledge that to my listeners, that that's the place that Lisa comes from. And we're going to, we have um, <laughs> so little time left. Question that you want to have my listeners um, think about as the show ends now. We had your last thought, but last question you want them to think about. 
What would abundance mean to you? If you were living in abundance each and every day, what would that like be like? What would it feel like? What would it smell like? What would it taste like? What would your experiences be? Anything that you can do to spend time in that place looking at what that means to you is going to help you create the desire for creating that exact thing in your life. Oh, that is such a great question. So what does abundance look like to you? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? That's really great. And Lisa, share your your website information one more time with the audience. Sure. It's wealthclinic.com. And like I said, lots and lots of resources. And I think that you'll you'll definitely find that I'm a give, you know, go go giver. <laughs> I'm like give, give, give. And I, I just want everyone to benefit from this work. And, and so I put it all there on that site. Perfect. And, and I have the meditations myself, which I'm going to start listening to. So thank you for being on my show today. Thank you. All right, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? Tweet out to at the Laura Stewart or email me, Laura at Laura Stewart, and let me know how I can help you get the right questions. We'll be seeing you all next week on It's All About the Questions. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.